receiving from him. And so I'd like you to get your Bibles out and your sermon notes out, and I want God to speak to you tonight. And um, we're, we are working through the book all in, but uh, I believe this is God's word for us here at the church. Over a century ago, there was a band of brave souls, and they got the nickname the One-Way Missionaries. And the reason is, is because they booked passage on ships one way. And instead of using a suitcase, they took all their earthly belongings, and they packed them in coffins, and went to where God told them to go, knowing that they would never, ever return home. One of those missionaries was named A.W. Milne. He set sail for the South Pacific to an island where the headhunters had killed every other missionary that stepped foot on the soil. And so when Milne packed his coffin, he figured he'd be using it pretty soon. But through God's grace, after he landed, he was there and he ministered there for 35 years. And when he died, the tribe took him to the center of the village and they buried him there. And the epitaph on his tombstone said this, When he came, there was no light. When he left, there was no darkness. Mark Batterson, in his book, All In, asked this question. When did we get the idea that God sends us to safe places to do easy things? When did we get the idea that being faithful is holding the fort? That there's anything higher than the call to sacrifice? That Anything but radical just isn't normal. Jesus died to make us dangerous. He died so that the church could storm the gates of hell. Your salvation is not an insurance policy for hell. It's a call to live a life worthy. We've got to quit living as though the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. It's time to go all in and all out for the all in all. That's what God is calling us to do in the first of the year. So let me say, let's pack our coffins. Let's go. Let's do what God has called us to do. Copernicus, when he lived, challenged the scientific thought of the day. And he introduced the idea that the sun didn't revolve around the earth, but rather the earth revolved around the sun. It was revolutionary. It changed everything. And we need a similar revolution today. Because I believe that a lot of us feel like the world revolves around us. And when we're born, it does. I mean, we're spoon-fed on one end, diapered on the back end, and... The whole world exists to take care of us, and that's okay when you're a baby. But when you're a teenager or an adult, there's something wrong. You are not the center of the universe. Selfishness is sin, and we are all kind of 
have that in our life. We're, our lives are centered around ourselves, our desires, our plans, our needs. That's what's important above all else. We need to seek God, and we do, but we just don't seek Him first. He's not the center of our life, and so we have this kind of inverted gospel. We'll just call it an inverted gospel. And the question becomes, who's following who? Because I believe that most Christians invite Jesus to follow them. And if you look at our prayers, that's what usually happens. You know, Lord, be with me. Lord, go do this. You know, bless this. And, and, and that's how most of our prayers are. Because we want Jesus right behind us. We, we pray that way. We believe that way. But that's not how it works. You can't call him Savior without calling him Lord. You can't go to God on your terms. You won't get there that way. You only get a relationship on his terms. There was a young man named D.L. Moody that we all know today. His life and his impact are especially felt here in Chicago. But when he was a young man, he heard these words. The world has yet to see what God can do with and for and through in and by the man who is fully and wholly consecrated to him. D.L. Moody heard this and something shot into his soul. And he lived this out. Surrendered to God. And we know Moody's legacy. Do you know that when he was the pastor, his words were so important that his sermons were transcribed and placed on the front page of the New York Times? God used him in amazing ways, and his legacy continues. Your life, you, are only one decision away from a totally different life when you become consecrated, fully surrendered, when all bets are off and all bets are on God. It's all about consecration. Joshua 3.5 says, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow... The Lord will do amazing things among you. Anytime God wants to do amazing things, he starts with you being consecrated. And a lot of times we try to do amazing things for God. We want to do these amazing things for God. But amazing things are God's job, not ours. Our job is to be consecrated. We need to do our job. God will do his job. So I want to talk to you about getting consecrated here at the beginning of a new year. And let me tell you what consecration is not. Consecration is not going to church. It's not doing your daily devotions. It's not prayer or fasting. It's not keeping the Ten Commandments. It's not sharing your faith. It's not giving your tithe. It's not saying the sinner's prayer. It's not volunteering for a ministry or leading a small group. It's not raising your hands in worship. It's not going on a missions trip. I mean, all these things are good, but they're not consecration. Consecration is something much deeper. Consecration actually means to be set apart. If you want to write that down, you can. It means to be set apart. It means to have a devotion for God. Dethroning yourself and enthroning God in your life. Realizing that everything is a gift from Him and for him. It's trusting God no matter what. It's blind obedience to the Holy Spirit. It's staying humble. It's staying hungry for God. That's why it's time to go all in and go all out.
for the all in all. That is consecration. A lot of people buy into Christianity, but they, they don't go all out. And if you're full of yourself, God can't fill you up. I think that's why at the beginning of a new year, it's important to empty ourselves or die to ourselves. It says in Luke chapter 14, Jesus speaking here, says that Jesus replied with this story, a man prepared a great feast and sent out uh, many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. But they all began to make excuses. One said, I, I, I bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have bought five pairs of oxen. I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I now have a wife, so I can't come. They're invited, and they don't come. They make excuses. Now, maybe you've studied this. Maybe you've heard it preached. And sometimes it's said that these aren't really good excuses. But the reality is these are excuses we all make. If we bought a piece of property or a new house, we'd want to be there. We'd want to explore it, maybe be working on it. You know, we'd want to do that. If we bought a new car, like new oxen, we want to drive our car. We love our new car, whatever it might be. Or, Or if we get married in that culture, that couple could spend the entire first year together not having to work, not having to go anyplace, that was part of the culture. It was part of, of, of the, just the day, the time in which they live. It was kind of like a, a year-long honeymoon that every couple could have. And so they could easily deny any invitation. But what God is saying to us is that there's no good excuses for not following him. There's no good excuses for not following. There's an urgency when Jesus speaks in the gospel that when he says, come, follow me, You better come. There's an urgency to it. Continuing on in verse 25, it says, A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned to them and said, If if you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison. Your father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you've count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there was enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might not complete, uh, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started building and couldn't afford to finish it. Or the king who would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him. And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? Flavorless salt is good neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown away. Anyone who has ears to hear should listen and understand. Jesus says, before you start, think about what you're starting. This relationship with me, that that when you go all in, it really is going all in. And if you decide to start and then you stop then your devotion is really worthless. It's kind of like the, the salt. It's good for nothing. 
It's not how you start, it's how you finish. And Jesus says, just make sure you understand what I'm asking you to do. Be sure you're ready before you begin this journey. Because James, the brother of John, disciple of Jesus, was killed by the sword of Herod. Luke was hung from an olive tree. Doubting Thomas was pierced by a spear, tortured, and burned alive in India. Philip was tortured and crucified, and he continued to preach while he hung on the cross. Matthew was stabbed in the back in Ethiopia. Bartholomew was flogged to death in Armenia. James the Just was thrown from the pinnacle of the temple, and surviving the fall was clubbed to death. Simon the Zealot was crucified. Thaddeus was beaten to death. Peter was crucified upside down at his own request. John is the only disciple that died of natural causes. But it's not that they didn't try to kill him. In fact, he was scheduled for execution, and Nero was going to burn him in, excuse me, Diocletian was the emperor at the time, he was going to burn him in a cauldron of oil. And they put him in there, and he didn't die. And so he was exiled to the island of Patmos, where he wrote the book of Revelation. You can read about all of those first century Christians and disciples in the Fox's Book of Martyrs. I keep this in my office. And when we have these first century problems, first world problems, it's good to read what the other disciples went through. Because when Jesus said, I want you to give it all, they knew it wasn't a suggestion. They knew he was serious. They knew what it meant. You know what it says in Hebrews about these men and women who died? It says in verse 37, they were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. We need to have a reality check. Because in comparison, our risks seem rather lame. And our sacrifices somewhat tame. When we compare our lives to the lives of those who first followed Jesus. It says in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Then he said to them, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. The disciples took that literally. And they lived it out. It's time to push all our chips to the center of the table and go all in with God. You may ask, Pastor Darrell, why are we doing this at the beginning of a new year? Couldn't we do something like, hey, make a good New Year's resolution or something exciting? You put a coffin in the front of the church. You tell the story. Let me tell you why we're doing this at the beginning of a new year. Because if you don't make a decision to go all in with God, you're going to live this year just like you lived last year and the year before that and the year before that. 
So many of us live the same year over and over and over again. And I believe God has greater things for you, for me, for our church, when we go all in with God. Either Jesus is Lord of all, or he's not Lord at all. He's calling us to pack our coffin. He's calling us to go. He's calling us to consecrate ourselves so that he can do amazing things. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and your hearts with me tonight as we prepare for a time of worship here at the end. I believe that you love God. I mean, you wouldn't have come out tonight if, if you didn't love God. I believe that God, I know God loves you and has great things for you. But we have to consecrate ourselves. We have to set ourselves apart. We have to say, God, we are all in. It is not about us. It is all about you. And, and this following Jesus isn't a figurative thing. It is a literal thing. We have to change the way we think and say, God, bless me. God, be with me. Who's following who? I don't want Jesus following me. I want to be following him. And I want to pray for you, and then we're just going to worship the Lord for a while and consecrate ourselves, set ourselves apart at the first part of a new year. Lord, we love you tonight, and we honor you. God, I know I am so challenged when I read the Fox's Book of Martyrs and I realize what so many for so many centuries have gone through for your name. And they did it with joy. Lord, I am so tame. I am so safe. God, I'm challenged when I, I think of what A.W. Milne did as he waved goodbye to his family and friends and all that he knew with all his earthly belongings packed in a coffin, not knowing what lay ahead. And yet, God, you used him not just there, but, Lord, his life challenges so many still today. Lord, may we lead lives of abandon to you. Lord, we forget sometimes that this world will never satisfy. That we look for something this world has. And yet, God, in the end, it doesn't matter. So, Lord, we remind ourselves tonight that you, God, are the only thing that matters. God, we love you, we honor you, we worship you, and now as we sing, we consecrate ourselves because we believe that you want to do amazing things in us. We love you, Lord. Would you stand with me tonight and let's just...
enter back into a time of worship and uh, drawing near to God and consecrate yourself to the Lord this evening.